Hello and welcome back to Coldcast for another episode of Aston Villa goodness. Of course, I'm here, Cole Petham, at Talk Aston Villa on Twitter. And I'm not alone, as always. We do have a familiar face here. Um, I'm glad to say he could make it here on a late Sunday night after work. It's Danny Raza. How you doing, buddy? Hello, mate. I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm perky at midnight, actually. This is sort of like my, my ideal time. I don't like sleeping, like, before sort of 1 or 2 a.m. So, oh. mate, this is perfect for me. So basically you're a night owl. Is, is that what I'm getting here? 100% I'm a night owl. 100% I'm a night owl. Stayed up late for the UFC. Conor McGregor, what, obviously. What do you think and, of that? Oh, mate, um, what is there to say? Uh, I don't know if there's a lot I can analyze because it was over in about 40 seconds. Oh, so still, imagine that. You stay up all night in the UK for one for something like that, and it's over that quick. Got the NFL well, as well, you know, so... Well, considering uh, me and a couple of my buddies uh, at my place here, we rented it and it cost us $65 and to watch a 40 second fight. I mean, you got the whole event, but to what? pay 65 Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, could it have not at least went around? <laughs> like, it would have been nice. But anyways, we'll, we'll move on from there and we'll get into some Aston Villa news. Of course, uh, this episode, we're going to go over a few things. We'll highlight the uh, result at Brighton. And of course, at the Amex, we'll go into previewing Watford and Bournemouth, respectively, because this is arguably probably the most important week for Villa of the season. We've probably said that 20 times this season so far, but <laughs> this is crucial, uh, just considering where teams are. And of course, at the end, uh, we'll uh, touch on some transfer news because there's been a little bit of that swirling around, some realistic, some kind of absolutely rubbish. But Without further ado, Danny, let's get into Brighton because it finished one all at the Amex. A, a tale of, I want to say, the first 60 minutes versus the last 30 minutes, would you say? Yeah, I'm not a massive fan of cliches, uh, but it really was a tale of two halves. So Villa were very poor in the first half, really sort of failing to to to, to create a lot at all. Uh, looking very sort of slow out the blocks kind of thing and uh, Brighton really looking the the better side and being the home side it's probably what they would have expected in the first place but as you say second half couple of changes uh, really did sort of change the way that game was going yeah um <laughs> like I feel like we're really kind of beating a drum here because I think we have said this since the get-go of the season we don't have a vast amount of strikers we don't have well right now we don't have any at this moment that are healthy um besides obviously indiana vasilev that came on and made his debut and from there on danny it was kind of evident that how simple is it to stick to stick someone in their position and it works like what do we do here? What did you think about the uh, El Ghazi decision to stick him up top? Why? Where do you think about that? How do you feel about that? And do you think we should have started Vaslov up front? I mean, like, when I look at it, um, before I get to you, I just kind of find it ridiculous because it's almost like we're... Dean Smith uses the excuse of he's young. We don't want to ruin that. I think that's what a lot of people say. We don't want to throw him in too early. But at what point do you say the heck with this we need to use our assets as much as possible okay i mean look so my my response to that is definitely different after the game than it would have been before the game but sort of what if you're dean smith you know you look at you look at somebody like indiana vasilev and you think okay he's very young uh, yeah he doesn't have the premier league experience you don't know whether he's able to go the full 90 minutes you don't know whether he's mm-hmm. you know going to come in there miss a vital chance and 
you know, have his confidence shot. Um, if it can be avoided in, um, in in Dean Smith's mind, it's probably you know his idea to say, well, you know, let's let, let's let's leave it uh, for now because you know Villa they, they they've looked okay with Grealish, El Ghazi, and um, another forward up there. I mean Trezeguet obviously started didn't he in the last mm-hmm. game? Obviously we saw we saw uh, part uh, we saw in the cup game obviously Hotter playing there for a bit as well. And in, in Dean Smith's mind, look, you know you have El Ghazi who at times is is very good at running at defenders and and can be imposing. And then you've got Jack Grealish who's, who's played well on the left wing all season. You know why why wouldn't you choose that front three? <sighs> I think the thing that actually puzzles me more than anything is why not stick Trezeguet in the middle? Because didn't he, with his former club, didn't he not play a little bit of striker there? Would have that maybe not been a better option? I, I know we're kind of just picking at straws here, uh, so to say, but I don't know. It just the absolute mentality when I look at it, the style of play, just it, I don't know. Once again, it's. Uh, a square peg with trying to stick a cylinder, a cylinder in it. It just, I don't know. It just didn't seem natural. No, there's no flow to the game. It just seemed like we'd get to the top. We'd run out of ideas. Um, I know we're short on quality up front, especially, but like, where do we go from here, Danny? No, I mean, look, you're right. Look, I think against Manchester City, it was pretty evident that that front three didn't work at all because, you know, you, you what 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 you've got to look at is the team as a unit. You've got to look at that midfield and you've got to look at that. Um, you've got to look at those forwards as, as something which which links up and, and and works well together kind of thing. Part of that is the wingers tracking back and, and doing their work defensively, too. And it just it just didn't work. Um <sighs> And it's it's because you know they're all having to support each other up there. Uh, Grealish is is playing balls through the defense, hoping for somebody to get at the end of it, hoping for somebody to run onto it. But there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. There's nobody there because El Ghazi's going to be a little bit further behind. He's not used to, to to getting through on goal like that. Trezeguet has played up top before, but really, if we're being honest, he doesn't have the uh, size or the um presence necessary to, to to play up front um but i think there was a there was a whole load of problems there in, in, in fairness they didn't press anywhere near as much as they as they should have i think uh they they all sort of again don't necessarily didn't necessarily know what their job jobs were supposed to be that Grealish and Ghazi swap kept happening as well mm-hmm. uh, from from left wing to to striker if i'm correct to me, it would have made a bit more sense just to play Grealish as the false nine. That's exactly what I was tweeting yesterday. Like, why he, Grealish was clearly, and he always kind of has been, especially this season, given that uh, freedom to roam around and to leave his mark on the pitch, and that's been obvious. But the thing with this is, that's great and that's fine, but you're also playing El Ghazi on the left. Of course, we know that's not his preferred wing. Uh, so it did seem a little awkward from time to time, and that's great to see. But why not just stick Gra- uh, Grealish up there? Because the ball is coming through him. The play is going to come through him, of course. So why not stick your prized ass up up front and really see what happens? But anyways, we'll move on from there because I do want to mention one debutant for Aston Villa, and that would be uh, the man in goal himself, Pepperoni. He comes right <laughs> in for Orion Nyland. Um, I always get his name wrong. Is it Orion or Orjan? Uh, Nyland. Yeah, how do you say his first name? I would say that it is. Uh, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna make sure that I don't get this wrong either. I, I'd, I'd, I'd say it's Ojan. 
Okay, we'll, we'll go I always, with that. I always, I always go with Oyen Nyland. Well, Mr. Nyland, if you're listening, I do apologize. Uh, he's probably not. But anyways, yeah, so Reyna, of course, comes in for his Aston Villa debut. And it, it, I feel like it's we're in a weird parallel universe where we're seeing Pepe Reyna start for Aston Villa. What were your thoughts, Danny, on his, I guess, his first start for Villa? And uh, where do you see him going from here? Oh, man, distribution, distribution, distribution. There was something different about him, wasn't there? Like, what was something that you're not used to seeing. Just distribution. Being, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> distribution, man. No, but but for real, though, like, every time he, he got the ball and he, and he had it in his hands, he always seemed to find the right player, essentially. Always mm-hmm. seemed to kick it in the right direction. I'm so used to seeing a, key, a keeper kick it out of their hands um, and just kind of think, right, this is going straight to the opposition or this is going out for a throw. He's just clearing his lines. But every single time, it almost seemed like, oh, no, hang on a second. <laughs> this has gone straight to a Villa player. Uh, that's not a criticism on any of the past goalkeepers that we've had. It's just something that Pepe Reina is good at. Uh, not only that, but he demonstrated that he was good at his shot stopping as well. And from conversations I've had with particularly sort of like Liverpool fans and other people who have sort of seen Pepe Reina play, uh, is that he's not only one of the best shot stoppers in terms of um, penalties as well, but he's also meant to be quite imposing in the penalty area when it when it comes to when it comes to corners. And I thought he did a pretty good job. I I don't think you can really blame him for the goal that was conceded. No, I, actually, that's the point. We might as well get to it now. We'll get to Brighton's first, obviously, only goal, I should say, of the game. And that came through Leandro Trossard. He had a first time shot, kind of went across the goal right into the right hand side of the net. Uh, great run I have to say by Neil Mopai I have to give him credit there even though I think he's a bit of a nutcase after what happened at the end of the game but um, with that being said I noticed a few people giving him a bit of stick for not making that save do you think that's a little too harsh yeah I think so look I mean that's the defense's job for for letting them through on goal I mean it's it was was well played from from Brighton but uh, essentially what happens is they end up in a two versus Oh yeah, they, they essentially end up in like a two-on-two situation. The defense then can't sort of run back on itself, and it's just an easy chance. Oh, I don't want to say easy chance, but Trossard's done all he can there. Do you know what I mean? Pepe Reina yeah. is, is is totally prepared for the ball to go in the other direction, isn't he? In in, oh. in some ways. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a tough one. Like, personally, I don't blame him for it. Could he have got to that? Sure. But at the same time, he shouldn't be left in those situations to essentially do that. The the thing I actually find funny is uh, obviously we're the team that's conceded the most amount of shots this year. That's obvious. But then you have some people coming at us like, well, you've blocked this many shots. That's impressive. Well, I'd rather have less shots on goal and less block shots because then you're not leaving your keeper in situations like this where you're you know what even if he saved that could that have just been a simple tap and we don't know it's just another one of those cases where when i look at it we're leaving our keeper in a vulnerable situation where no matter what happens it could end up in the back of the net yeah look trassage trassage should not be in a position there where he can you know catch his left peg on that there, there should be somebody in front of that gilbert should be stopping the shot from from going through um or at the very least you execute the offside trap a little bit better because what is Konza doing uh you know being miles away from any of the defenders and 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 totally away from the ball uh, it's not Pepe Reina's fault that that, that goal is, is oh. what I'm trying to 
conclude that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, if if you haven't listened to the whole cast before, we do like to ramble on even about the most of minuscule things. So welcome to that, and hopefully you stick around. Of course, um, no, I, I think if we're gonna what's what's rate Pepper in his first per, per, uh, wow first performance, if I can get that out of my mouth correctly, um, Danny, do you want to kick that off? Uh, strong seven, I'd say. Seven? Strong seven okay. or an eight. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have a lot of saves to make, I don't think. He, he made a couple. He made a couple of strong saves. Oh, um, absolutely. But if you're not pulling out the worldies, you can't give a nine or a ten, can you? That's the only. That's yeah. the only thing. You know what? I'll give him an eight. Um, we'll skip a little bit ahead before we get into the uh, the Villa goal, of course, because Pepperin actually did make one heck of a save near the end. Uh, Neil Mapai with a, a basically a, a sideways bicycle kick uh, going into oh, yeah. the left-hand corner, and Rena gets a perfect hand of that and parries it away. And you have to think that's easily – with a game with – without too many shots that was easily the save of the game um and i i hate to say it but i think if someone like nylon's in it i don't know if he's getting to that i i, I don't think nylon's not quality but at the same time i think you look at the likes of heaton and reyna those are keepers that are gonna have a better chance to get to that and i think with his skills in goal his distribution of course and his overall leadership i think that's just how crucial goal, a goalkeeper is with all those assets and uh I'm glad to see we have him. But anyways, we'll get, of course, into the Grealish goal because that came in the 75th minute, of course. It was a left-footed shot from the center of the box to the left, top left-hand corner. We'll say around there. Assisted by a great ball by Douglas Louise, we have to say. Uh, how'd you feel about this goal, Danny? And uh, how'd you feel about the momentum shift from there on? Well, you know, this again is something that Villa are missing at times. It's just... You know, let's actually try something different and see if we can get a goal, basically. I mean, Douglas Louise has no business pinging it from there. But, you know, Grealish is, Grealish is through on goal. He's watched his run. And it's just it's just remarkable work from the two of them. Because this is the kind of class that Douglas Louise can offer at times. And I thought that he was one of the real differences when he came on. Um, but, yeah, look, this is, this is, this is it. You, you, you go a bit more direct especially when you're not getting a lot of chances, you know, especially when you're struggling to, to, to make up numbers. And this is one of those rare occasions where, where Villa are, you know, outnumbering Brighton a little bit. And yeah, Grealish finishes it because this is what he just does. Yeah, it was honestly a great goal. Um, if I'm going to let you in behind the curtain into my life, I was watching it while doing laundry. So with that being said, I'm looking at the TV thinking, OK, it's going to Grilla. She's kind of getting pushed out wide to the left a little bit. You can get a shot off. We'll see what happens. Do I think it's going to win? Probably not. Then, of course, he just unleashes hell and it beats Ryan, of course. And you're thinking, OK, this is one all we're going into this. And from there on, Danny, it was a complete momentum shift. We were clearly on top. We were the better side from there on but once again it's one of those things where it's just too little too late yeah i mean look it's, it's a point and i'll take the point but that that by the way is an example of jack Grealish bailing us out once again but what i think it also showed was the weaknesses in the team that started you know yeah. i've got no problem with danny drinkwater i think he's a i think he's a good midfielder i think he'll come good in time perhaps and i think he works well in a three-man midfield for sure but Douglas Louise and Nakamba together just seems to be a lot better in this formation, first of all. And secondly, in a dogfight where we're relying on guys doing a lot of work. Um, Douglas Louise looked like he had something to prove. 
I'm wondering whether he's becoming a bit of a Conor Haurahan in the sense that his performances are only coming off the bench. But um, nonetheless, he's got to start next game. But not only that, the reason Villa are able to score that goal, the reason Villa are able to put any sort of pressure on Brighton, and I will back this up and I will say this, is Indiana Vasilev. Mm-hmm. Because what we have lacked over the last few over the last few weeks, and actually from Wesley as well, who I do praise to, uh, is this kind of a press. Indiana Vasilev sees Brighton passing the ball around the back, trying to get it out, trying to create opportunities, and says, no, you're staying here. This is where we're going to be playing our football. And he's just not letting them breathe. And when you're in a relegation fight, that is exactly the type of player you want. So whether or not Indiana Vasilev has the finish on him, whether or not he has the ability to bang in loads of goals, he's running the lines and he's causing pressure for Brighton. And that is exactly why Villa were able to come back in that game. Well, if you look at it from a Brighton perspective, too, uh, they have a little bit of a pit bull, bulldog, whatever kind of dog you want to name them. And Aaron Connolly, uh, young forward, of course, uh, notched a few goals earlier on the season. But he's one of those players that's going to press up high. He's not going to give you a second to think. And he's just going to put a lot of pressure on you. And I think that's a lot of what Vasilev offered in the same ilk. And that's good to see because, you know what, even if he doesn't have the greatest of finishes, we didn't really get to see any opportunities where we could judge that of course but it is important to have those players that are going to pressure their opponents into making mistakes and that's just important in my opinion as getting a shot on target because you know what if he forces a turnover is he if he's able to change momentum in that sense he can give the likes of El Ghazi Grealish whoever you want it to be um, the opportunity to capitalize on that now I want to go back Danny for a second on Danny Drinkwater I think a lot of people are unfairly judging him based on these two performances but guys let's keep in mind he's played man city and that's his first i don't know how long he played but first i think full match really arguably and then you're coming into this game where of course you're going to have a little bit more time on the ball it's going to give you more opportunity but the guy only played what 59 minutes at burnley like the guy is pure rust right now give him a few games to kind of get in there and get his momentum back because i think he has something to offer Sure, I I, th- I think he has something to offer as well. I th- I think I think he does try to work, and I think you know his his, his passing does, to me, look pretty good. But look, the, the the point is, and and the reason people were angry, and the reason people are are, are, are criticizing him is these, Dean Smith's left him open to the criticism. There's no oh, yeah. way he should be starting against Manchester City. No, it was very obvious by the fact that he assisted Man City's first two goals, and that that's a, that's a week ago. I don't want to go into it too much, but even against Brighton, he he did seem a little bit off the pace. I think it's tough. Yeah, it's 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 hard. It's hard to be adapting to that level of football again. Yeah, and I think when you look at him, even at his brief stint of limited playing time at Chelsea and especially at Leicester, he had quick, pacey midfielders like Angola Conte around him, for example. Actually, in both situations, he would have um, at Leicester and Chelsea. Uh, that's someone who's going to mop up the ball, support you, be able to uh, catch your weaknesses and eventually push you up the pitch into spaces where we all know Danny Drinkwater is a good passer of the ball. And that's where a player like Conte gives him the chance to do that. Now, we can compare that to Marvelous Nakamba. Does he offer that as well? Yes, um, of course, he's not as good as Conte. Maybe he ends up being that way. We don't know, of course. Anything could happen. Hell, I'll be optimistic. But uh, 
it's another one of those things where I look at Danny Drinkwater. He just needs more time. But if you're going to throw him to the Wolves, in my opinion, I think I don't think Dean Smith can expect anything out of him. He's gonna if he's going to put him in poor situations. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It is what it is. You know, you should be you should be playing. You know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes off the bench, maybe to start with, uh, more than anything. Uh, but I think as as much as Dean Smith seems to like him, and I, and I get why he likes him. I absolutely get it. I think Louise and um, Louise and Nakamba have to start the next game. And if you're really insistent on drink water playing, then what you do against Watford and what you do against Bournemouth is you play with the, you know, you play with the three central midfielders and still say and still stay in that formation. Um, but you know, that's 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 looking a little bit too ahead right now. It was just a bit more clear to me that. Uh, that that Louise had a little bit more to offer, but I'm su- I'm just worried, man, just because both both Louise and Howrahan can look like fantastic players at times, but it only ever it only ever seems to be off the bench. I'm, yeah. I'm worried about this consistency. Like I'm I'm worried about and let's let's not beat around this too much because um we, we've missed this part of the game, right? How is it that we're so poor in the first half and suddenly are able to play football when we're panicking and a goal down? Oh, absolutely. I was going to get back to that eventually, but we'll get into it now. I. I don't I don't know if there's any other team out there like Aston Villa that can essentially play one half so differently from the other. It's like you're looking at two different personalities here. It I don't understand the mentality especially in the first half because I think that's been our been our greatest weakness all year. We started off so slow. We want teams to essentially control the ball and okay, we'll catch them on the counter and yeah, okay, that's the Dean Smith way apparently, but I don't know. There's just no linkage. There's no cohesiveness. I, it's it's just really weird how the mentality somehow after a certain point just switches where it's going, OK, it's getting a little late here. Let's turn it on now. Like, in my opinion, Danny, wouldn't you want that throughout the whole game? Yeah, well, this is it. This is it. You've got to be able to work. And if that's too much work, then the players aren't fit enough. That's that is. I wonder that. Too. That is that. Yeah, I, 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 honestly, I don't know because, like, I wouldn't know their fitness levels, but I ha- that has to come into question again at some point because I'm thinking, like, if we go all the way back to the start of the season, look at the Spurs game. We were dead tired. We played the way we wanted to play, and we represented ourselves well in the first game back in the Premier League, but we were dog tired, and you could tell the fitness wasn't up. And now we're in January, and it looks a little bit better, but still, it doesn't look like it's fully there. I think what you do is you, you 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 play with the same formation that we've got right now, and you play like we did in that second half. They could easily keep that going. Oh, honestly, yeah. honestly, there's no excuse. Right? The only the only players you're asking to exert a little bit too much, perhaps, are the fullbacks. Yes. And when Matty targets going down so much, and Freddie Gilbert seems to go missing in games sometimes, that's where I worry. But what you do have there is two very talented fullbacks. Yes. Two very talented fullbacks who I think will turn it on if they're given the attacking intent. So that's that's what I want to see more of. Absolutely. If if we're going to kind of go uh, push everything else to the side, if you could pick, besides obviously not having a designated striker to start the game, if you could pick one positive and one other negative from this game, what would you choose? I know I'm putting you on the spot. I can go ahead if you need a minute, but uh, let's go with no, that. That's fine. I think I think the negative for me is the inconsistency just again. 
they need to be working harder. It's pretty clear to me, and I, I don't know if I'm being harsh. I, I hate making this kind of judgment on, on footballers because I've never been in their position. But sometimes it feels like they're not putting in as much effort as they should be. I mean, I just see bright. I just see Watford and I see Southampton. I see them pressing hard. I see them not allowing teams to breathe. And what we need to do is we need to choke the other sides. And we we did see that. So my positive is that we did see that for a certain period of time in the second half. If we can play like that, um, then we're going to put teams under pressure regardless of who's playing. Oh, absolutely. For that for that reason, you know, Vasilev is 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 is, is definitely part of that positive but like they've got to they've got to play like that all game they cannot cannot you know sit back and soak stuff up all game making mistakes making errors uh you know because they're so stuffed into their own half they've they've got to switch the intent back on oh 100 percent i think I think if I'm going to go for mine, I'll just say them really quickly here. Uh, negative. I think it's just the lack of desperation because yeah, yeah. We're, let's be real. We're in a relegation fight and you look at Watford, you, I mean, Bournemouth just looked dead and buried Nor- Norwich are just, uh, they're inconsistent as hell. Uh, but you look at Watford, you look at Southampton, especially like you mentioned, Danny, those teams are desperate. They want to survive now. They want to get this out of the way so they don't have to leave this to the last second. The thing with Villa that worries me is we're saying, OK, this is OK. It's a point like I'll take it. But it's almost at the same sense. Of, it's OK for now. We'll, we'll get it eventually. And eventually will run out with like the season ends at some point like that's the thing that frustrates me let's figure this out now let's not figure this out in two months when we're looking at it going oh we better win five in a row to even have a chance to stay up that's my biggest thing I think for if I'm looking at a positive, I think it has to come down to one player and one player only. Um, I was extremely impressed with uh, Courtney Haas again already. Uh, yeah, I thought he was did very well, in my opinion. You know, and the reason I say that, and some people think he should come out of the side, the reason I say that, I base it on the sign, like what we signed him for, the value. I think that speaks for itself. He's able to step in and contribute something at that cheap of a price. I'll take it. I, I think, is he Premier League quality? Uh, it's borderlining it, but at the same time, if the inevitable, I wouldn't say inevitable, but if we somehow do go down, you know he's capable of performing at the championship level as well. But I thought he actually had a pretty decent performance, uh, bar the odd thing. I don't think anyone is perfect uh, yesterday, but I would say he had a decent performance. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think, you know, recently he's starting to look a lot better. He's starting to really come um, come into his own. Uh, I, the only thing I do worry about with Haas at the moment is he still doesn't look incredibly imposing when it comes to um, positions, uh, when it comes to uh, situations in the air. You know, it's the reason why we've conceded so many from set pieces. Um, certainly between him and Konza at the moment, I feel more, uh, I, I, I feel better with, with, with Haas around. Um, yeah. Added bonus that he's, that he's left footed means that when he plays with Mings, that that back three definitely definitely suits the two of them, um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I I, I do think that that Hawes is personifying, you know, the fight within that team. I think he's definitely one of the one of the players who seems to be um, who seems to be more desperate for for us to do well. Uh, and I think you know you look you look late on. Was it him that made that challenge on on? Um, was it? Oh God, who was the who was the Brighton player who was fouled late on? 
Oh, God, I can't even remember. I know what you're talking about. That's how annoying one of those situations is. I know what you're talking about. But anyways. Yeah, so there's that there's that, there's that late foul. I think it was on prop air or just literally look. If, if, if I'm wrong, you know, just whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's there's a late there's a late there's a late challenge that um, that Hawes makes on him. And then Malpai gets all mouthy and everything. Hawes, you know, gets gets in the middle of it, doesn't he? I, I like seeing that from a player every now and then. Somebody who's going to fight for the side. Somebody who's oh. going to, you know, just so, so, so somebody who's going to stick up for it. Just say, look, we're not going to lose. We're not we're not having this. You're not going to attack us. This is what this is what we're saying. Oh, 100 percent. And now that I say this, because if people are listening to this, they'll probably message me after and say, cool, Courtney Haas gave away one hell of a chance to Brighton, because if uh, my mind apparently failed me, uh, Courtney Haas tackled a Brighton player in the box and then tried to clear it to the I think the left hand side of the pitch and hit another Brighton player and he almost had an open goal. If it wasn't for Mings, that would have been an open shot on goal. <laughs> so I acknowledge that, but I still think you had a decent game. But anyways, Danny, uh, let's get on to our match balls. Can I have yours first, please? Oh, it's Grealish, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we barely talk, it feels like we've barely talked about him, but again, just drag the whole team again. We do it every um, week. So like, like what new is it really to say? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Uh, look, look again, just he, was creating so many chances i think you know villa late on in the second half you know he was he was probably the only player who seemed to be present in the first half anyway um but you know in the second half he he, he was pulling everybody forward again he, he's he's uncomfortable in the position he's in right now he's very uncomfortable there there's oh, not yeah. there's not a striker for him to get that ball through to so i think when vasilev came on um i think Jack Grealish just looked relieved. He just looked relieved that he had somebody who was running the line, somebody who was going to be able to hold the ball off for him. Um, that's something that El Ghazi cannot do, I'm afraid. Oh, 100%. Just having that focal point. Um, you know what? I'll change it up because it's too easy to go with Grealish, even though he deserves probably a double match ball. I'll give it to Pepperana because I don't really think he put a foot wrong, to be honest. I don't think the goal is his fault. He made uh, a save that essentially saved us points. And I think it comes down to that. Uh, His distribution was class. I think that's even something obviously Heaton um, isn't that great at. And it's great to have another uh, leadership style goalkeeper. And that's key. Um, Of course, you've probably seen his uh, initiation song. It's probably the greatest, one of the greatest things I've seen this week. (laughs) Uh, Just the enjoyment, the enthusiasm. He's happy to be here. So that's good to see. So I will give my match ball to the debutante Pepe Reina. But anyways, let's get on to some previewing, shall we? Because Villa, as I almost forgot earlier today, have two games in the week. We played Tuesday and, of course, on Saturday. Let's get in the first one. Uh, we'll probably chop and change between both, uh, Danny, because, you know what, it's coming thick and fast, and these teams are battling us for relegation, essentially. So we'll start with Watford, who, of course, sit right above us in 17th place. They're one point ahead of us. Uh, this is a huge match. This is a huge week. Is this Villa's defining week? Would you say? Um, I, I, yeah, yeah, you'd probably say so, wouldn't you? Because this is you can you can lose big points. You can give a lot of points away to to relegation rivals. Um, but uh, the fact that we haven't signed a striker yet is worrying me heavily. Um, Watford at the moment are looking like a side that totally different at the start of the season. So I don't know if they're even going to be relegation rivals to us in the first place, but Bournemouth certainly are. 
Yes. So I would, yeah, I would totally agree that this is, it's not going to be season defining because no matter what happens this week, Villa are going to have to keep fighting. But, oh, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, it's 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 a big week. Oh, I would say so. I, I just I think when I say that, I look at this and I'm thinking, well, you know what? If you get two wins here, this is huge. That can put depending on how things fall for other teams. Um, Because that always comes down to that as well. That helps with goal difference. That would be a massive boost uh, for the club. You look at even a win and a draw, that's good. Even if it was a win and a loss, it's still something. And I think um, at this point, you're just fighting for your lives. But when we look at Watford in particular, you look at uh, a revitalized man coming back from injury in Troy Deeney. The man loves to score against us. Obviously, he's a blue nose. So we know that well and true. (laughs) How much of, of his... Uh, or uh, I guess where does he fit into that side? How much of essentially of a danger is he to us? Yeah, Dini's a major a major danger because he's exactly the kind of player that Villa hate. He's he will press the heck out of the team, and we this is Watford. This is what they will do. They will choke the defense. They will stop the defense from um, from from having having a breather. Villa can't just hold off. Because they were, they are going to constantly run at you, and they're going to run forwards, right? And Dini is exactly that player. He will not give you a moment's breath. And if um and if Villa fall asleep at all, you better know that Troy Dini is going to get on the end of something. Oh, absolutely. Like, look at their recent form. I believe it's three wins and two draws in their last five. Uh, they're completely revitalized under Nigel Pearson, which I'm shocked to say because uh this is just for me personally i don't rate him as a manager i think he's another one of those basket cases that why is that why is that uh, look look what he did with leicester look how he kept them up that season well yeah but he almost got them relegated too <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I know but you know if 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 you clean up your mistake and nobody notices then did you make a mistake in the first place i just i don't know there's just something about him where um uh, of course he is the ostrich man we know that um <laughs> there's just uh, he's very quirky i get that side of him but i don't know there's just something about them that i don't rate and I, I, that might be an op- unpopular opinion but as a villa fan if we were managerless i wouldn't want nigel pearson i just wouldn't sure you wouldn't trust him to keep them up <sighs> Wofford, they probably will stay up. I think it's a momentum thing. Um, with that being said, if they're going to go into positive form, say for the next five games, they get three wins out of the next next five per se. I think they're sitting in a fairly comfortable position where they can look at it and go, okay, scrape another couple wins and a draw here, and they're probably okay. Um, I think it's just one of those managerial merry-go-round momentum boosts um, where ultimately i can see them sliding starting to slide a little bit more down at the end of the season after they're high i think it, it happens almost with every manager danny would you agree kind of to an extent what what happens with every manager there's that peak where they come in there's fresh ideas teams are doing great and of course everything just starts to go back to normal eventually yeah it's, i mean it yeah happens, you don't happens to everyone doesn't it happens yeah, to absolutely every manager you don't ride that momentum forever and i think there's on such a high right now with the form it's especially dangerous for villa because you look at a side again that we're going to assume is going to probably start with El Ghazi or in my opinion should be Vasilev. So we'll get into that debate now. Who starts for you up top? Vasilev. A hundred percent is Vasilev because if to beat Watford, to do well against Watford, you have to work hard and I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry, but like El Ghazi and Trezeguet haven't shown me that 
No. And uh, that's that. That's maybe not their fault. You know, it might it might just be that they're not used to playing up there. Um, maybe they need a bit more freedom. Maybe they need Villa to be you know more forward thinking. That's where El Ghazi definitely performs better. But uh, what we need right now is somebody who's able to deal with the dogfight. And you know what? 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds who have a point to prove, they might be the kinds of players that you need in this situation. As as much as this might go totally against the playbook. He's desperate to make an impression. Why not throw him in? Like I, I don't like the aspect of when managers say, oh, he's too young. Well, can you really be the judge of that? We've seen, obviously, look at Wayne Rooney. I'm not going to say he's Wayne Rooney, but look, what was he 16 when he scored against Arsenal for Everton? You just never know with these players. Throw them in, see what happens. And once again, we look at the focal point in Jack Grealish. The man needs a focal point up front for him. It just, the the linkage with El Ghazi didn't work. It's clear this is how it has to be. If there's a Villa fan out there that can somehow turn this point and make both of us agree, I seriously challenge you. Because if you think Al Ghazi should be up front, I got a prayer for you because it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> but anyways, we'll move on from that. We'll go into the Bournemouth game next, um, and then we'll wrap it up and do our score predictions, of course, for both. Uh, you look at Bournemouth season, they're uh, a shipwreck right now. Eddie Howe can't put a foot right right now. They are right below us, two points below us in 19th. They just lost Norwich City, of course, who occupy the 20th spot, um, and I think are five points behind us, if not six, um, at the time of recording on this Sunday. They're in all sorts of trouble, Danny. How do you feel about this game? Because I think this is one where we have to take advantage, and if we don't, we're in serious trouble. Because if you lose to Bournemouth the way they're playing right now, a team that have four losses in the last five have conceded 11 goals, in their last five Premier League games. Where my, does that leave us? My problem with Villa at the moment is that every time we seem to come up against a side, we look like the side who are a little bit less desperate. Bournemouth are going to have a total air of desperation. What Villa have to be able to do is turn it on and say, look, we are not going to let you... We're, we're not going to let you end your bad run of form against us. That, that, that That's not going to happen. Yeah. Villa Villa need to, need to go out there with a strong attitude and say, we are going to win this game. And that that is... And, you know, they, they can't accept anything less because right now, you know, you look at the table, usually sort of like 35, 36 points is enough to stay up. And, roughly. you know, yeah, roughly. But it's not going to be it's not going to be the case this season. No, it's not going to be the case. Villa are going to need at least another three or four wins. Mm-hmm. Bournemouth yeah. has to be one of them. Absolutely. I think the, the approach that I would take to this game, if I was Dean Smith, would be uh, the away tie at Norwich, you blitz them. You, you don't give them a second to breathe. You just pounce on them and you put your foot on their neck and you press and press and press until they absolutely quit. That might be a little too graphic. Sorry, people. But yeah, I was going to say, I mean. bro, like always talking about <laughs> UFC. Or... I, don't think, I don't think that's even allowed in UFC, by the way. Well, it's a yeah. Band, band move, dude. Well, we, we get my expression, at least. We need to blitz them. We need to show that there's no mercy because this is a team... That's at a really an all-time low. They have never, I haven't seen them this week in their Premier League, Premier League existence. 
And I think my biggest fear for this match, Danny, would have to be the approach Villa takes. Because if they go into this, and it, it all depends, of course, what happens to the Watford game as well. Because that, of course, we know can be a trickle-down effect, especially for this side. Uh, we're very fragile at times, and we have been for as long as I can remember. And I'm just hoping we don't go into the Bournemouth game, no matter what the result against Watford is. And look at this and think, well, we're both scared to lose, lose both sides. So we're going to see who makes the first mistake. because. If we're going to play that way, it's not going to go pretty. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's not. It's not. And I, I look, I think I think both of these games are probably going to have to play going to have to be played slightly differently. Um, but I think I think the key actually here when you think about it really elephant in the room here is whether or not we've got Samata. Yes. <laughs> What's Samata? <laughs> oh god. Cole, come on, man. It's been overused. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it, Cole. Shall I go with I'm that or Samagol? <laughs> Samagol's good, though. I like Samagol. You know, you know, they, you know, they used to call him that. Yeah, they, uh, that was for his, uh, before Gank. I can't remember who he played before Gank, but they called him that because he scored so many great goals. That was a quote I saw. Um, shall we, shall we get into the, uh, the score predictions and we'll get in the transfer news because we're going to tie it in anyways. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. So, uh, d- okay. Let, let's 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 break this let's break this down, right? Let's have a look at Watford, right? So, yep. Watford. If you look at their last few games, they have been in sort of they've been in some really good form. They were one of the worst teams last season. That's uh, not last season. Sorry, at the start at the end of um, the year, and recently they've just been, you know, they 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 look almost impossible to beat. Now. <sighs> I think they had a had a decent draw against Tottenham on the weekend. You know, hard to score goals against. If Villa are going to get a result here, mm-hmm. they're going to need to defend well. This genuinely might be one of those games where it's like, yeah, it's going to be tight. Nick something and just work hard, work their socks off. Um, unfortunately, I think Watford look very good at the moment. Uh, they look very strong. They're scoring a lot of goals. I'm going to go with a 2-0 Watford victory. Oh, ouch! Sorry, man. I don't. I don't know if Samata's going to get done in time for that game. I, I don't think so. And on I top th- of that, I don't trust Dean Smith to start Vasilev or or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I I think that's the issue. I don't think he'll get done in time. And even if he does, do you throw him in that quickly? Um, he won't really have an opportunity to basically you're throwing, it's the same thing as Danny Drinkwater, bar it's not Man City. You're throwing him to the wolves. He probably hasn't even learned the system at that point. Um, there's a lot of things that he needs to get acquainted for. Um, but hopefully it's done in time for the Bournemouth game because it's crucial. Um, if I'm going to go for a Watford scoreline, I hate to say it. I'm going to go two on Watford. They're they're just playing so well right now, and I can just see us doing something sloppy at the back. But like, if we're gonna if if we're gonna look at reasons why maybe we shouldn't be so worried, um, or that maybe reasons that we're gonna perform better than than we did in the last game, um, you've got to remember how much of a train wreck that team was that we True. put out, by the way. So we had no Tyrone Minks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think El Mahamedi started, and then correct. Um, I think Matt Target had to go off injured at some point during the game. I think Gilbert ended up coming on playing left back mm-hmm. <laughs> or something like that. Um, Henry Lansbury was playing as the number ten behind oh, Wesley. I forgot that. Yeah. So yeah, and Nakamba was on the bench, which again 
Dean Smith, as an intelligent manager, why on earth do you take out your most combative, your most combative defensive midfielder, you know, against a side which has Kapuwe and Dakure in in there? It just makes no sense whatsoever. I would like to think we've learned from that game. Hundred percent. Did we play four three three in that game, or three five? It was it was four three three, but Lansbury was intended to be like the attacking midfielder so at times it was kind of four two three one it never really is yeah okay well you know what new formation new team right well we'll hope for hope for that of course and of course if you want to leave your score predictions you can tweet us at 7500 to hold on twitter uh we'll always take those or you can reach out to one of us personally of course as well oh, another thing yep. sorry <laughs> another thing about that game yep. just before we need to we need to get this out of the way right this is also the game where mariapa got sent off we had the red card curse and we we basically got battered from then on let me just remind you about that it cannot get any worse than that so yeah true okay that's fair enough we'll get all the negativity out of the way um let's get your bournemouth score prediction and let's hope it's more positive right okay so bournemouth genuinely are a bit of a terrible team at the moment <laughs> So I think they, bar like uh, a decent 4-0 victory over, over Luton Town, like this year they, 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 they haven't got a win. So, I mean, not in the league anyway. They've lost every game in the league in 2020 so far. Um, they even lost the, the derby on uh, the 28th to, to Brighton before that. They have not scored an, a Premier League goal in... I think like three games uh, five, or something like that. No, 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 no. No, they haven't scored a Premier League goal in five games, man. Wait, wait. One, two, three, four. Four games, dude. That's crazy. Not, not since they scored against Arsenal on Boxing Day have they scored a goal. And they lost, I think, 4-0 to West Ham as well. They and did. West Ham are not playing well by any means, even if it's David Moyes. So <laughs> No, they're not they're not playing they're not playing good football, West Ham. Yeah. Regardless so. regardless, man, Eddie Howe, you know, much like Dean Smith, he's a progressive English manager. Can he get them playing football again? Probably. Like nobody fancies Bournemouth. There's 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 every chance that they switch it on and, and start doing well again. But you look at that team and Oh God, this feels harsh to say, but it fits very well in the championship. Yeah, I'd say so. You know, if they, if you looked at that side in the championship, you wouldn't okay. you wouldn't you wouldn't say that they that necessarily are winning the league. No, Callum Wilson would probably tear that apart though, but you'd have to and say Fraser. healthy. Yes, hundred percent. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, we got to get a win here. Yeah. So what's your score prediction? <laughs> oh, sh- okay. Right. My bad. I forgot about that part. Too, too interesting analysis. Um, based on Bournemouth, I would be an absolute pessimist and I would invite as much criticism as possible if I didn't give this something of a positive. I'm going to go 1-0 Villa. Safe. That's much, safe. Like, much like Norwich did. We can creep it. We can creep it. Yeah, uh, you know what? Away from home, I'm going to go... I just feel like we're due one of those games where we... It's like a Norwich game where we just explode. I just think we're due one of those because it's been a lack of goals for a while now. I'm going to go 3-1 Villa. I know it's probably not going to happen, but I want to be positive. I think um, a solid away win, 
does wonders at some point we have to get that goal difference back down to where it's more manageable because that's going to be just as important because you never know especially when it comes down to the nitty-gritty near the end of the season so i will go three one to villa away at the vitality stadium on saturday of course Danny, let's wrap up the podcast by going over some transfer news because, as we said before, we might have a striker, and who might that be? Uh, it might well be, might well be in Buena Samata. So this is Genk's striker. He scored 43 goals in 101 appearances for them. Uh, he is a Tanzanian international, and he has um, also won awards uh, for being the I think the, the 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 best east the best african player in in belgium as well um and this is an award which has been secured by a lot of a lot of big names such as um romelu lukaku um Ooh. yeah i think i think this this looks like a positive signing a lot uh, a lot points to this being a positive signing he seems to be exactly the kind of striker that villa need he seems to be uh, very well suited to Jack Grealish in the sense that he will run ahead of defenders, you know, much like Jonathan Codger did in the championship when he was a little bit fitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he's also got a good leap on him as well. He's actually a very strong header of the ball. I think um, he's also been well endorsed by Aaron Shibola. If you read the article on the athletic from Greg Evans, which by the way, I think is a very good read. If any of you are trying <laughs> subscribe. to subscribe, <laughs> no i'm not doing any promotion i'm just i'm just saying i'm just saying it was a good article shout out greg evans 100 <laughs> yeah, percent. if you're looking for something on it um it's it's it's, it's a good introduction i mean have you, have you seen any footage of him apart from the worst cut youtube compilation in history no that's the only thing i've seen but the thing i want to touch on here from there a lot of people, especially on Twitter, and that's where you get your keyboard warriors, of course, and I've said this a million times, are saying this is terrible. Like, what is this? Like, why aren't we going for Giroud? Or why are we, aren't we bringing back Benteke? Or why aren't we getting uh, Piatek or whatever? The guy's going to cost about £10 million, as reported. So you look at that and you're thinking, okay, value for money. No matter what happens, he can probably fit in the structure uh, this year and onwards. That's a positive there. You look at his age. He's 27, so he's going to definitely be hopefully a more polished and finished article compared to Wesley, who still, in my opinion, and we all have to admit, has a lot of room for growth. The man, like you said, has a knack for goal. And the thing I like in particular uh, that our friend of the podcast, James Rushton, pointed out is I don't I believe we're the only team in the Premier League that hasn't scored a uh, goal from set piece. Am I correct in that, Danny? I wouldn't be surprised. Like I don't remember ever scoring a corner, and I never actually think that it's a goal opportunity. So, like every time I see us get a free kick or a set piece or whatever corner, I'm thinking, okay, well that's gonna be battered out anyway, so who cares? But yeah. the man has, I think it was at 14 uh, headed goals out of his last 43 goals uh, oh. from 28 2019 season Listen, from there perfect. on. Perfect example is is the goal against Liverpool that he scored in the Champions League for Genk. Perfect example. The guy yes. leaps like a fish, leaps like a salmon. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> leaps like a salmon. I love that. Like a salmon, dude. Like Honestly. a salmon. A Honestly. spry salmon. <laughs> spry? What does spry mean? 
spry. Uh, uh, let's not get into that. I'm not going to explain no, it. Dude, I want to know, dude. I'll probably get the definition wrong. I'll explain it after the podcast. People are going to think I'm an idiot if I get it wrong. So let's not embarrass myself. But nonetheless, if we're going to rate this signing that seems imminent based on uh, what everyone's saying, if you can rate it out of 10, Danny, what would you give it at this point? Oh, God. Um. Oh, we need a striker. He's a, And he's potentially... <laughs> He's potentially going to be a very good value for for money striker. I'll give it an eight, man. I'll give it an eight. He's he's as good as you're gonna get in January, I'd say. Yep. You know what? I'll keep it simple. I'm gonna say eight point five. It's value for money. Um, even if he nicks in with a few goals, those goals could be crucial. If some set piece goals start to go in, that's great to see as well because that's some a stat that's actually absolutely depressing um and you know what it's uh it's a hit to the uh the the wallet of villa that's not going to hurt too much and like you said before just now danny what are you really realistically going to get in january that's going to make a huge impact it's next to almost impossible to get something that's going to save you so hopefully he does what he does and we move on from there but we'll, we'll move on to a few other ones we'll write the realism as well because you know let's have some fun why not islam Salmani, of course he's at monaco right now on loan uh there's been rumors with him having his loan cut short at monaco and of mm-hmm. course being available for another loan villa being linked there uh, he's a 31 year old striker he scored seven goals and seven assists in 13 matches from the sources i could find that's a good return Keep in mind it's league, uh, but it goes against the Dean Smith profile, you'd say. So if you're going to rate this and give your thoughts, please do so now. Um, I don't know if it does go against the Dean Smith profile. Like he's a he's a he's a, he's a big guy that does get involved with play. Uh, I think he's good at holding up the ball. I think he's he's a, he's definitely a very good focal point. Um, I think he could definitely fit into the Wesley role very well. My only problem with Islam Samani right now is that. I don't buy it. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't either. I don't. I don't. I. I can't see us being interested in him because it seems like it's an overcomplication trying to get a player to get his loan cut short. What on the twentieth of January at this point? You think he's going to leave Monaco? I can't see it personally. Um, why would Why would Leicester want that for him? Why would Monaco want that? The guy's clearly producing. Like it just doesn't make sense. So if you're gonna, if we'll call it a, we'll call it a rubbishometer out of ten. How rubbish is this? I don't want to call it rubbish because you know there's definitely some strong journalists who have, you know, done some work on it. But um, I'm still gonna call it rubbish because I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I don't think it's. I don't think it's happening. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this seven on the rubbish amateur because it's, it's, um, if, if we're gonna be fair, you know, there might be part of Brendan Rodgers which says, look, I want him to get experience in the Premier League. Monaco, they're a mid-table French club. They're not the Champions League team that they, that they used to be. Um, you talk about their money as much as possible, but if they had so much money, why would they be loaning a 31-year-old striker from the Premier League? Uh, I'm gonna, yeah. I, w- I would like to see Slamani. He'd definitely work well up top for us. Uh, but j- much like the Piontek deal, it's not gonna happen. Oh, exactly. Um, I'm gonna give it a nine. I just, I can't see it. It just, it doesn't. Would I welcome it? Sure. The more strikers, the better. Right now, uh, the more options is always helpful. But 
again, I can't see it. I can't seeing, see us guaranteeing him the game time he wants and needs at this point in his career. Uh, oh, I think we can. Do you think so, even with uh, with another striker coming in? Yeah, I think Slomani would be the first choice ahead of Samata. Really? Huh. Yeah, just because of his just because of his strength and his um, authority in the Premier League, probably. Um, well, we, but we need two strikers saying, regardless. So. Yeah, yeah, we do need two strikers regardless, which is why I think Samata was probably one that was in the works beforehand. You know, this isn't this isn't some small deal. This is uh, the top scorer from the Drupal League last season. You know, that's not a Mickey Mouse league. They're the kind of players that have come out of there. Wow. You know, you talk about Tielemann, you talk about like company. Look at look at the kind of talent that has come out of there. This this could be such a key uh, key signing for Villa. So um, I'd really appreciate it if people stopped giving giving guys like that so much disrespect, man. When You know, why? Why? Hypothetically, why would Giroud be any better than, than Samata? You don't know that. And no. you know why you don't know that? Because you don't watch the Jupiler League. How do you know? Do it, could, it could be my favorite league in the world. You just don't know that. You know, I'm, just, I'm, talking about, I'm addressing everybody. <laughs> I'm addressing everybody you know. I know, I know. Okay, let's get on to uh, the last one, unless you have any um, that you've heard in the grapevine that I haven't put on our list here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, I haven't heard anything. But what was there not talk of... Um, yeah, I don't know. Has it? Has it? I mean, there were, people have been people have been stream have been uh, screaming vida vida vida, haven't they? Is that is that something that's gonna pop I, up? I feel I feel like that's cool at that this point. Else? You think so? Know. Yeah, I mean, it was heavily linked at the start, and then there was a rumor that the fee wasn't met, and then it was compensation with the wages and the his the player package with all that kind of stuff and agent fees, and then all of a sudden he didn't want to come, and then he did want to come. So I don't know if there's any truth in that, but it just doesn't seem likely. So if I was going to rate that one, especially Danny, I'm going to probably have to give it a solid eight. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but look, OK, I'll ask you I'll ask you one more question then, I yeah. guess, whilst we're on the topic of transfers. Kodge has gone now. He's gone to Algorafa. Mm-hmm. Um, firstly, how do you rate his time at Villa? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, as a signing. And secondly, are we going to sign another striker in that case? Is uh, a possibility whatever? I don't know. Well, to be honest, I'm glad you're bringing this up because I completely forgot that happened today, even though I saw the picture at least 10,000 times. Uh, so that's good uh, co-hostmanship on your part. Appreciate it, Thank pal. You. Appreciate it. But when I look at this, I look at his time. It's unfortunate, in my opinion, because it's one of two things. Pre-injury he looked like a man on fire at times. There was inconsistency. There's a lot of hype coming from his season at Bristol city. And he was starting to deliver on that promise. But of course, like I said, there was that bit of inconsistency, inconsistency. And of course, once that injury happened, he just never seemed like the same player. The the pace certainly slowed down a little bit. The movement wasn't the same. Still the happy-go-lucky person that he always seemed to be, uh, but the same player didn't seem to be there. And, of course, plans change with managers coming in, so that's a shame as well. I, I think the thing that hurts for me personally is I would have just loved to see him get at least one Premier League goal. Um, just for him, I would have loved to see that because I love his celebrations, and that would have been just good for me uh, personally to see. Um, <laughs> but 
it's too bad and it looks like what we got around 2.5 to 3 million pounds for him so it's an obvious loss it is what it is but what are your thoughts on it danny um look i think you know i'm, I'm always gonna uh, i'm always gonna remember the, the fact that he actually saved us from championship relegation i think he did very well for us i think the the fee that we paid for him it was was too much most likely but again he saved Keep in mind, we bought Ross McCormack for what more? So yeah. yeah, it was a joke. Look, the way we were <laughs> the way we were being run was an absolute joke. You know, that that should just never have happened whatsoever. Um, and it's just sad to think that uh, we 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 spent all that money on strikers and not a single one of them is still stuck here. Um, we've got we've got Scott Hogan obviously, but he's 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 never going to play for Villa again. I'll I'll no. say that. Um, but. I think you have to rate Kodja for what it was. He got us out of the championship. You forget how, how much of an impact he was at the end of last season, by the way. True. There were times when Tammy Abraham was injured and there was times where Tammy Abraham wasn't scoring either. And um, Kodja's dug us out a couple of times. So, um, you know, big up to him, big respect to him. I don't think that, um, you know, I, I haven't lost any respect for the guy. Uh, I think it's a shame that he hasn't worked out in the Premier League, but um, it is what it is favorite Jonathan Kaja moment and then we'll uh we'll have a little chit chat and we'll wrap this up oh god favorite Jonathan Kaja moment oh man he scored so many goals for us um I I love the dance that you always did for us I'd have to <laughs> I'd have to say that I don't know if I can pinpoint you a single goal like do you have one uh favorite goal oh um was against Fulham I think it was against Fulham I can't remember if it was though, and he absolutely hammered that. I can't yeah, yeah, it was. It was against Fulham. I know the one yes. you're talking about. Yeah, and he kind of put his when his celebration, he put his arms kind of behind him and did like a little like tippy toe dance or whatever it was. I think that enthusiasm was, is going to be missed. It was kind of a half bicycle kick and a doma like whipped it in for him. I remember this goal. There we go. That's my yeah, moment. That's exactly the goal. Well, that's not my moment actually. My moment, I should say, is when we. Of course, got promoted. It was all emotional. And, of course, everyone's celebrating with the cup. And he takes out his phone and just goes, <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite moment. <laughs> no, it's, he's, he's brilliant, man. He's brilliant. Um, it's it's a shame that he isn't as fit as he was. Um, and that's all down to injuries. And that's a, that's a shame. It's a shame. But, listen, man. Jonathan Kodja, go and enjoy yourself now. Go and enjoy yourself at Al Garafa. Bang some goals in. And I hope that his international career continues. 100%. Make that dough, enjoy it, live life to the fullest, and all that good stuff. And, of course, we have one more special mention before we wrap up this edition of the Holtcast. Danny, could you take it away? Because it involves the Villa women. Yeah, I was just going to say that they that they played their um, they, they played their quarterfinal against Chelsea this week, and they, they lost 3-1. But, uh, honestly, you think about like a year ago, today they played against that that newly made man united team and and got thrashed um i can't remember the exact scoreline but they they got thrashed very badly by by the by the man united women um and today we're looking at this women's side and the top of the the championship uh, very much you know looking to get promoted and we you know we're, we're we're with them every step of the way and the fact that they were able to hold their own against chelsea honestly shows that if they do go up listen I, I fully believe they can hold their own up there. Um, and just what it's just what it's given them a big well done for that um, g- good performance against uh, against that Chelsea side. 
um, unfortunate with the scoreline. Oh, 100%. Uh, it's great to see their turnaround. Great to see investment in the women's game, of course. And they're on a streak, so hopefully they do get promoted. But anyways, we'll wrap this edition of the Holt cast up anyways, because we love to ramble, and it's been an hour of rambling. So thank you for oh, joining cool. us, of course. But, of course, we'll leave it there. And Danny... Thank you for joining me. It's greatly, greatly appreciated. You can find Danny at Razajourno on Twitter. You can find me, Cole Petham, at Talk Aston Villa on Twitter as well. And all together, we make up the 7500 to Holt whole cast. Find us on Twitter at 7500 to Holt. And of course, don't forget, up the villa.